0: You can go ahead and be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our salvation. Amen. 500 years ago, this month, September 1522... Two historical events came together. First, way back in the 1450s, a man named Johannes Gutenberg in Germany invented what's called the movable type, invented the printing press. This gave it a possibility, made it a possibility, gave it an opportunity for information to be distributed widely No longer did people have to print one thing and then print another and do everything by hand. Now, the masses could be provided all sorts of information. The invention of the printing press is considered the equivalent of the invention of the Internet back in 1991 and the early 90s. That's how impressive and influential it was. So... There's one historical event that started in the 1450s, continued on. Then in September 1522, 500 years ago this month, Martin Luther published his German translation of the New Testament. No longer would people need to hear the New Testament or the Old for that matter. Read in Latin and then interpreted by those who could read Latin. The common people now could read the word of God in their own language and they did not need to rely on someone else to read it to them or tell them what it meant. So the printing press and Martin Luther's translation into German started a whole flood of translations of the Bible into common languages. Today we believe that there are at least 400 different translations into 400 different languages of the complete Bible. More than 400. And there are hundreds more, maybe even thousands more, of just small portions, let's say the Gospel of John, into other languages as well. So we have six, all, all kinds of translations, all kinds of translations, of the 66 books of our sacred texts, Genesis to Revelation, in our own language. It makes them very, very understandable. You would think, with all these translations in our own language, that most Christians would be reading scriptures regularly, faithfully, and sometimes intensely. Except that hasn't always been the case. The writer of the text that we've been following here for the last couple of weeks, Pastor Zach Zender, says that, The only time most Americans hear the Bible is when somebody else is reading it. Now, that's not a bad thing. When we hear the Word of God read, even in a worship service, and we hear it and we think about it, that's a wonderful thing. But sometimes that's as far as people go in studying Scripture. Today, we are in the third week of what we're calling Being Challenge. Two weeks ago, we heard about the value of habits. I was intrigued to learn, and I think it's right, that up to 40% of our day every day is something we do out of habit. So the challenge is to develop some good habits. And not only good habits, keystone habits. The kind of habits that that maybe influence one thing and one part of your life in one way, but then kind of bleed over and affect other parts of your life as well. We call them keystone habits. Last week, we heard Pastor Tiemann explain how it's a good habit to surround yourself by good, godly, influential people. We are not alone. And he even had statistics of how many of our own decisions are often made out of influence and from influence of people around us. It was really astounding. Today, we are encouraged to develop the habit of searching the scriptures studying the Bible, hearing again that we are a part of a long sweep of God's activity in history as he takes care of his word. So today, search the scriptures. Now, I'll be the first to admit that studying the Bible, studying scripture, is not as easy as it sometimes sounds. It can be a challenge. For example... The Bible is not just one book. It's a collection, actually, of 66 books, at least in the Protestant tradition. 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,713 verses, comprised of 757, 439 words in the version that we use here at Manual, the English Standard Version. So there's a heap of words if you set out to read the whole Bible. And the Bible can be a challenge to read. No question about that either. Let's say you, you make it a challenge of your own to read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You make that as a New Year's resolution, maybe January 1st, and so on January 1st, off you go. And you read the book of Genesis, and it's really kind of fascinating stuff. Those narratives in there, Man, there's, some, there's some remarkable stuff. It's really a story of the extended first family, Abraham and Sarah and his family and descendants. (laughs) And as the saying goes, the book of Genesis puts the fun back in dysfunctional when it comes to families. There are things in there that are hard to believe actually were true of God's people, but they are. So that by the time you finish reading the book of Genesis, you have read about murder, and deceit, and betrayal, and rape, and incest, and gang violence, and drunken escapades, and seduction. Now, morally, ethically, they're pretty questionable. But it makes sometimes for a pretty fascinating reading, at least as I. The challenge is if you continue past, after the Book of Genesis, you get into Exodus, which is, yeah, fairly easy to understand. But then comes Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Man, there's some things that are hard to understand. There are rules in Leviticus that sound to us in the 21st century as as kind of pretty wacky. And you read about folks you've never heard of before. The Hittites and the Amorites and the Jebusites (laughs) and the Mosquito Bites and the Budlites, I suppose. It's crazy. How do you understand all those words? Have you ever heard of the Mego effect, M-E-G-O? It's what happens when you're reading or doing something and that acronym stands for my eyes glaze over, right? You're reading you're going, whoa, what's this all about? And sometimes in reading some of the books of the Bible, it gets so difficult to understand and so difficult to read that people just kind of take the book of the Bible, the entire Bible itself, and just kind of put it over there, close the book and... Really don't go back to reading. And that's too bad because there are so many wonderful helps in studying reading the Bible today. It's like Laura said with the children's talk. There's children's Bibles. There's prophecy Bibles. There's chronological Bibles. There's one, day a, one, one verse a day reading of Bibles. Wonderful stuff all over the place. There are ways of making Bible study more pleasant and more useful. Bible study doesn't need to be difficult. Pastor Rick Warren was for many years pastor of Saddleback Community Church in Southern California, one of the more influential churches in the United States. A couple of decades ago, he wrote a book, and in that book, he included some helps for reading Scripture. He called them the four R's. Number one, read it. Read it. You don't at least initially have to have some smart people or smart person tell you what's in there. Just just take the book of Philippians and read it through. Do a quick read. It doesn't take that long. It doesn't even take hours. It takes minutes. And and you just do kind of a word soak and, and hear what it says to you. The New International Version also has a study Bible, as does the English Standard Version. They're both reliable translations. Study Bibles are a tremendous help. You go to a study Bible and you start reading the Gospel of Matthew, and the the study Bible will tell you who wrote it, most likely, and when, and why, and to whom. And they'll often have an outline of the different chapters of the Bible and different notes at the bottom of each page. Very, very helpful. If you've ever read St. Paul and his writings, you understand that St. Paul can be pretty hard to follow sometimes. You know, he starts a subject and then he goes off on this little rabbit trail and then there's another little rabbit trail and you want to say, whoa, Paul, come back, you're losing us, you're losing us. So outlines in a study Bible, very, very helpful. In today's digital world, there's all kinds of downloads for your tablet and for your phones. Wonderful, wonderful tools. Go to Uvers, as the indication on the screens and in your bulletin notes as well indicate. Wonderful, wonderful portable tools. Number two, research it. That is, research the Bible. Luther once wrote about Bible study, his own. He said, I study my Bible as I gather apples. First, I shake the whole tree so that the ripest may fall. Then I shake each limb, and when I have shaken each limb, I shake every branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. Now, that's pretty aggressive, but you get the point. Read and then study and do some research. A Bible dictionary, it's a very good choice if you're studying the Bible at a certain depth. And again, there's all kinds and all ranges of helpful dictionaries of the Bible. If you want to go to the granddaddy, the biggest and the best of Bible dictionaries today, you can go to Yale University Press and you can get the Yale Bible Dictionary. Now, it's massive. Six volumes, over seven million words, and it'll cost you six Benjamins, $600. Or, if you're like me... And you like to hear the little birdies sing, right? Cheap, cheap, cheap. There's something called the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Again, entry level. Amazon, hardcover, 30 bucks or less, such a buy. Sometimes people want to do another Bible study and they'll say, what does the Bible say about resurrection? What does the Bible say about angels? And you can get something called a concordance. Many study Bibles even have those in their text. And a concordance will tell you book, chapter, and verse where resurrection is mentioned or where where angels are mentioned. Wonderful, very, very helpful tools. And if you think that Bible study is always kind of on the stuffy and kind of boring level. There's some helpful helps there as well, wonderful helps. A couple of weeks ago, I came across this one with the goofy title, The Complete Idiot's Guide to the Bible, Third Edition. And I thought, well, that's pretty wacky, but it's pretty good. I read around in the Gospel of Mark. Very helpful, kind of lighthearted, kind of lighthearted. Now, you're probably a 30, 40-year-old, 50-year-old male male saying, you know, I'd like to to read the Bible, but I'm not so sure I want this book lying on my desk. I don't know that I'm a complete idiot. (laughs) But maybe there's somebody in your family, let's say your wife or your daughter, who's saying, oh, yeah, birthday present coming up. No, just the person. Number three, remember it. Memorizing things is becoming... Something of a declining habit. What a wonderful example that little boy was this morning, right? Sitting over here someplace. Yeah. What a wonder! Psalm 46, verse 1. What an amazing, yeah, thanks parents. What an amazing example for the rest of us, little boy that age, having memorized a passage of the Bible so that he can remember it. Memorizing the Bible means that you are putting in a bank a great deposit so that when you need a Bible passage or, a, or even a whole chapter or something, you can draw on that bank of memory. What a tremendous comfort it is, for example, to know and to memorize something like Psalm, not Psalm, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything but everything. By prayer and plea, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. And then finally, reflect on it. Reflect on it. Clear your desk. Sit on the couch. Read a verse or a chapter. Let it sit on your mind and kind of like we say, noodle on it for a while. Noodle on it. Ask. What does this Bible passage, what does this Bible chapter mean for me? How does it speak to my soul and my spirit today? It's the big so what. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, O Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. That's a good one to memorize. It's a good one to reflect on, good one to meditate on. The hardest part, of course, with any project, and this is a major project, is getting started. Martin Luther said that here's his plan for studying the Bible. He said, first, I read the Bible. And then he said, I have come to some understandings. Now again... He said, remember it and, and memorize it and think about that. Here's what I have resolved myself as a challenge for myself about Bible study in the next couple of, of weeks. And I'm going to go back to Martin Luther himself. Martin Luther was a teacher and as well as a student of Scripture. In his teaching and his reading, he came to Romans chapter 1. And he he read in in Romans chapter 1, verses like these, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, as it is written. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And, And Martin Luther was so convicted by those verses that he began to understand that those are the key to the understanding of the entire scriptures. The righteous shall live by faith. I have been a pastor in the Lutheran Church for more than four decades. And I realized this past week that I've read bits and pieces of Romans. I've preached on the book of Romans, different chapters. But I'll have to say that I've never done a real study of the epistle to the Romans. So I resolved this past week, and I'm going to continue it on for the next couple of weeks, that I'm going to do a deep dive Of the epistle of Paul to the Romans. I'm going to do the Luther thing. Shake the tree, and then the limbs, and then the branches, and then the twigs, and I hope to look under as many of the leaves as I possibly can. And I'm quite sure that I'll find there what Luther found there so long ago. That's what I'm going to do. You do you. Set up a plan. About Bible study. An intention without a plan is a fantasy. It works that way in every part of our life when we're undertaking a new project. An intention without a plan is a fantasy. Finally, and this is most essential, we need to rem- remember to read the Bible not for intellectual stimulation, but for life transformation. Transformation. Let me say that again. We need to remember that we do not read the Bible for intellectual stimulation, but for life transformation. Jesus told his disciples, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you're going to find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. Here's what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead at Easter Sunday, but then he hung around for another 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And in those 40 days, he explained things to his disciples. Here's what he said. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So here's Jesus, who knew the Bible, that is the Old Testament, exceptionally well. And then from the time he was raised from the dead until the ascension, he teaches the disciples who are finally starting to get it all about him and how the scriptures finally center on him. And then Luke continues. Then he opened, his, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus was simply saying, Now that I've told you who I am, let me tell you who you are. You are valued, loved children of God. And more than that, you are witnesses to all the things that have gone on in the past three years. He says that to us as well. You are witnesses. I'm asking you to go and share your testimony, your story. Share what you saw, the things that happened. And then as you go, I'm not going to leave you without provisions. I'm going to first give you my word that that you'll have all the information that you need. And then I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit who will lead you into all sorts of truth so that when I leave, you won't be alone, but you'll be going with my power. Friends, search the Scripture. Scriptures are God's love letters to us. This morning... For the word of God that makes us smart for our salvation. For all the joys of this autumn weekend, including the life-giving rain today. And for all the blessings in so many parts of our life, and they are many. For all that we say, thanks, thanks, and thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And now truly, the peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the pay, in the peace that comes from Christ Jesus our Lord, Amen. We stand now.